Welcome to part two of Autism Moms Roundtable on the BioNexus Health Podcast with Dr. Jodie A. Dashaw, who holds a PhD in integrative medicine, is board certified in integrative pediatrics, an internationally recognized pioneering clinician, and author. And now here's your host of BioNexus Health Podcast, Dr. Jodie A. Dashaw. Who's next with the question? Sandila, yes. Um, I actually want to ask that uh, apart from gluten uh, G, uh, GFCF, uh, if a child has a high candida and high clostridia and uh, with high oxalates too, so what are the things we can uh, give uh, in routine? Because at that time, uh, you have to be very specific because most of the uh, fruits and vegetables, some have high oxalate, some you know have high carbs in that. So we need to give in moderation or we need to you know give, uh, we can't give them daily uh, as such. So um, I actually wanted to ask that what are the safest uh, vegetables or fruits you can say that we can give uh, to those kids which which have too many you know digestive issues like those we have high high oxalates high clostridia and high candida okay uh, okay uh, yes go ahead please Uh, if you have anything else go ahead i understand yes uh, uh, so i just wanted to uh I know the uh, safest kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, vegetables and fruits because most of the fruits uh, uh, and vegetables which I uh, selected for my daughter, either they are uh, um, high oxalate um, uh, or high carbs. So I need to then um, uh, cut them from my diet or either uh, give in very small amount or, you know, either once or twice in a week like this. So okay. um, uh, she is already uh, quite uh, deficient in so many um, important nutrients. Yes. So I wanted to know that uh, what are the safest kind of uh, fruits and vegetables that we are given to those kids which have too many digestive issues like my uh, daughter. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Um, so uh, high candida, let's, let's tackle that first. So um, high candida, that's an opportunistic infection. And what I have found, my experience has been that you don't need to restrict carbs. Okay. Now, if especially if you are on the BioNexus protocol, right? So fruits, all kinds of fruits, all kinds of vegetables. I'm just tackling high candida now. Okay. All fruits and vegetables are fine. Um, if you are doing gluten-free carbs, that is also fine, as long as you have uh, uh, at least two menus. Don't give the same thing every day. All right. So at least two menus is fine, and there is no other restrictions other than obviously sugar. And I'm not talking about you know sugar from uh, uh, fruits and vegetables. Like for example, carrots have sugar. Right. You know, I mean, um, uh, oranges have carbs and sugar. That's not what what I'm speaking. You know, anything natural eaten in moderation, like if if you're eating five oranges three times a day, that's obviously not healthy. Um, So as long as you're eating a rainbow every day in many of my lectures, you know, I, I, uh, I speak about this, like eat a rainbow again, the whole family for crying out loud, you know, that would be great if the whole family would would eat healthy. 
um, so there is no restrictions. Now, fruits and vegetables uh, are okay. Honey is okay. Carbs are okay on uh, if if you find you know high candida because the BioNexus protocol handles any overgrowth. You don't have to worry about that, right? So it makes life very much easier. Now, obviously, if there are specific allergies, okay, then you have to avoid that. Like, like some, some, some people have allergies to uh, raspberries, right? Because raspberries are in the same family um, uh, as pollen. So if you get like spring allergies, then, then you know, you, you'll find that you have allergies to raspberries. Uh, so whatever individual allergies there are. Then next is peel the fruits and vegetables as much as possible. Remove the peel. That helps a lot with digestion, okay? Obviously, not, you can't peel strawberries, so you don't have to peel the strawberries, but you know, I'll, I'll, give, you, um, I'll give you my example, right? Uh, <clears throat> Brian used to break out in hives and rashes on his arms, on his chest, with, uh, with a lot of things. So what we did was, when we started peeling, that reduced, but did not go away. And, you know, uh, then I decided to blanch. So uh, blanching means that, you know, flash cooking everything. So all the fruits, okay, if, even though they would become like a little bit, you know, you don't have to make them mushy. They still remain soft. Sorry, my throat is a bit off today. <clears throat> okay. So what I would do is I would take apples and pears and strawberries and uh, berries I'll talk about a bit later, but you know, hard fruits. And I would just uh, uh, boil them, uh, put them in the hot water, boil the water and uh, put them in the hot water for like five seconds and pull them out. Okay, so they are slightly cooked, but they are still crunchy. So that seemed to help a lot, right? So first peel them, then blanch them. So it's B for boy, L-A-N-C-H-I-N-G, blanching. You, you can look it up on YouTube how it's done, but blanching helps. Now, in the beginning with berries, what I had to do was I, I actually had to make compotes with berries. So, you know, it's a C-O-M-P-O-T-E, compote. Uh, that's the only way we were able to feed berries, but because they have so many health benefits, I used to do that, right? So little by little, so as his histamine load went down, as his mast cell, uh, mast cell issues calmed down, the mold, uh, mold was removed from the body. Mold meaning, you know, mold toxins, mycotoxins were uh, eliminated we started being able to add in a whole lot of things. You know, um, so that is one way. Now, you mentioned about um, oxalates, phenols, and uh, one, one other thing you mentioned, right? High oxalates, what else did you say? Uh, uh, that is high clostridia and high histamine too. Histamine, right. So, okay. Um, uh, Clostridia is an infection. So BioNexus protocol, you know, the, the, the herbals will be taking care of that. So, um, correct. So uh, oxalates and histamine. histamine. High histamine can 
be dealt with with if you are doing the enzymes, if you are doing the uh, protocol that is addressing the mast cells and histamine, and if you rotate the foods that are high in histamine. For example, you know, anything orange is high in histamine. Oranges don't give. If it is that much of an issue, then you need to avoid. <clears throat> you, you need to avoid altogether. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to oxalates, oxalates, you rarely have to go no oxalate. Unless your, <clears throat> unless your organic acids test shows like, you know, seven, 800 oxalates, all right? If it is showing maybe 50 to 100 elevated, uh, all you need to do is to rotate the high oxalate foods. So don't give it every day, give it maybe three days a week or every other day, okay? Now with, once again, when there is high oxalates, you know, you need to be sure that you have, um, you have the, the sponges that mop up the extra oxalates, right? Now that is incorporated into the Bionexus protocol. If your child shows up high on oxalates on any testing. So complete avoidance is not, a, you don't have to do that. You just have to, uh, like I said, you know, maybe every other day. For myself, because our food allergies were so severe, you know, and because also he was so thin um, and not growing, we had four menus. Like I had four menus. And so whatever he ate on Monday, he did not eat again till, till Thursday or maybe Friday. So that's, I mean, everything, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. And, you know, um, because he was so thin uh, and, you know, so, so many mitochondrial issues, so many like worms coming out and parasites, uh, I had to feed him quite often. We had that program in school as well. You know, school nurse was aware that he needs. So I used to send uh, two snacks. So almost every two hours, eat breakfast. Then, then uh, after two hours, you know, have a morning snack. And then I, I remember lunch used to be around 11, 30, 12 at school. So eat lunch then. Then after lunch, you know, again, 1, 32, eat another snack. And then he would come home by three-ish and then I would give him another snack. So, you know, and then he would have dinner and then that's it. After dinner, no more because, you know, body needs time to digest. So, and somehow, you know, more than physical, his neurological development happened first. So you know that, keep, remember that, you know, all, all of you parents that, you know, children who are developing neurologically, language, cognition, communication, awareness, listening skills, following directions. So any brain activity or uh, any other um, neurological improvement, like for example, you know, um, my son had his left leg paralyzed so that was neurological. It, it, it started improving. Um, if, uh, you know, I, I have some children who have like facial muscle imbalances. They're not able to chew properly because muscles are weak. Uh, some have swallowing problems, right? So as if these are getting better, remember that these require a whole lot more calories. Brain work needs a whole lot more calories than physical work. You may have also noticed, you know, um, if, if you like me in my old age, I started doing, uh, you know, PhD and, and then I was doing advanced immunology at Harvard and my goodness, <laughs> I was eating every hour. 
<laughs> because you know it's 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 a lot of calorie uh, spending, uh, a lot of calories, uh, right? So keep that in mind and manage your child's diet accordingly. So I hope that that answered your question. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Who wants to go next? Remember, what's the difference between the intolerance, if you're gluten intolerance and gluten allergy, both are the same? No. Or intolerance is more related with the gut issue. And when the gut is healed, if the child has intolerance to gluten, and if the gut is healed, then can we introduce the gluten back again? My son is on gluten from the last two years. But when I started the diet till now, I have not seen any uh, diet-related improvement uh, I have uh, noticed the cases in which uh, parents when started GFCF diet, then uh, many behaviors are controlled. In my son's case, I have uh, noticed almost no change with, uh, with only diet. So it is beneficial to continue with the GFCF? Uh, yes. All kinds of mast cell activities, all kinds of autoimmunity, or is reaction to proteins, okay? Like for example, you know, bacteria comes in, viruses come in, um, the, the immune system will get activated reacting to the proteins. Like for example, right, you know, COVID-19 spike protein, right? So gluten and uh, casein are very toxic proteins for children that have underlying inflammation already existing in the gut, right? Now, when there is uh, infections, then you know that as soon as you get an infection, your immune system, depending on how good it is, but immune system will start to develop antibodies so it can kill off the infections, correct? Okay, I'm gonna keep it very basic, of course. Some of you are physicians, but, but forgive me, but you know, most are not. So I'll keep it very basic, right? So these antibodies go after the viruses and bacteria and, and you know, try to kill them off, eliminate them. But with children with diminished immunity, right? With compromised immune system, children on the spectrum, we know uh, and there are many, many research studies that have been done, right? That, that they have compromised immune systems. Then you bring into play PANS and PANDAS type issues. PANS has many triggers. Diet is one of those triggers. So <clears throat> once there is autoimmunity, the PANS-PANDAS autoimmunity is your, is, you know, friendly fire from your adaptive immune system, right? Uh, sorry, I'll take one step back. Your immune system has two branches. One is your inborn or innate that you're born with. And the other one is the acquired, which comes, you know, which you, you, you start acquiring the resistance. So it means that, that, that you acquire the, your, uh, your immunity and you're building up your immune system. So with Lyme and uh, co-infections, uh, you have your adaptive immune system that becomes suppressed. With autism, we know that adaptive immune system, you know, studies, like I said, have been done that show that it is suppressed, it is compromised. Then when there is mold exposure, that is when your innate immune system becomes compromised. So, uh, and it can also become autoimmune, but 
the friendly fire in the innate immune system is not called autoimmunity because autoimmunity per se is involves antibodies. So that is part of your acquired immune system. So that's autoimmunity with pans pandas. But with mold exposure, there is also friendly fire, but that is called as auto-inflammatory. So there is, you know, uh, automatic inflammation being developed and there are many triggers for this. Okay, there is also a, a secondary inflammation pathway, the lectin pathway. Now, what is the most famous lectin? Gluten. So if, so what is happening is, remember, inflammation can be a silent killer. Not, not really killing, but, you know, silently damaging the organs behind. Um, there are many, many cases of, uh, you know, extreme cases would be like, oh, he was living a very healthy lifestyle, no symptoms, nothing. Now he has cancer. How did that happen? Well, all cancer is what? Basically, it's inflammation. Almost a decade of inflammation, I, I remember reading somewhere, it takes almost a whole decade of inflammation in the body, could often be silent, to end up with cancer. So any kind of triggers like gluten and casein, it is best to avoid. Casein can be reintroduced pretty soon. You know, again, I, I already explained that not so much cow. Now, gluten is something that is, um, seems to be, you know, a huge problem for most families because it is difficult because everybody else in the family, nobody else wants to eat gluten-free, right? So you, you have to cook separately that, right? It's, it's gluten-free diet from the last two years, but still he has a very intense craving for gluten. He's always in the search of, he will, he, he finishes his food, he, uh, he, he's okay with his diet, but he, then after uh, finishing his uh, bread or gluten-free bread and meal, he, he's in the search of uh, that gluten-containing bread. Right, yeah. So this is called as a, a gluteomorphine or caseomorphine reaction, which is an, an allergic, it is an addiction in the brain. Yes. So here, th this is a very good point you bring up, okay? Now, there are, you know, opioid-like receptors in the brain, right? So when gluten and casein is not good for you, in those children, this kind of craving develops. Of course, you know, uh, if there is infections, then your, your body craves to feed the infections. There are studies that show that parasites and other bacteria can reprogram your urges um, and, and cravings. So that is what's happening. And what happens in many, many children, you know, uh, there are uh, lab tests available here which evaluate uh, what kind of an addictive opioid reaction. So to children like that, gluten, and dairy, whatever the case may be, is like, it's, you know, is like opium. It's like heroin. It's like cocaine. So they become addicted to that, especially if it is around. If it is, you know, um, so that shows you that, that it's even more important to keep him away. That he needs to completely detoxify from all gluten and casein. 
So oh, yeah. men don't do the regular things. If What's their that? child is also egg allergy, my child is also allergic to both egg yolk and egg white. Oh really? Okay. So uh, the egg free diet. Uh, he's not craving for eggs, but uh, it is very difficult to stop him from gluten. Well, yes, eggs don't have an opioid reaction. Yes, he's not craving for egg. Yes, I know that's because eggs don't have an opioid reaction. It's it's just you know casomorphine and gluteomorphine. Okay, just those two. Um, uh, and casomorphine seems to be. Uh, there seems to be a way out of that because you know you you can uh, use specific cheese you can make yogurt in a very specific way which um, which i i will teach you when the time is right but gluten is simply you you cannot introduce that i mean if you want to your mom that's up to you but you will be responsible for the consequences so that is uh, one advice that i give all parents and if a child accidentally eat it's not accidentally he's in the search of gluten and, and somewhere he can he will find he starts from his little sister then oh, this enzyme uh, that enzyme helps if i give him my enzyme on a regular basis then uh, if you're giving enzymes on a regular basis that partially helps okay but this does not mean that you make it a routine that he has access mm -hmm. to gluten so okay. um, right. So let me admit Asma. Asma has come in. All right. Okay. So yes, I mean accidents happen. That's right. Uh, and and you know, and entire families cannot convert to gluten free. In our case, it's not accident, but he's growing. Uh, to, uh, he's growing. He's now six year old. He has more power. And he's always in the search of this thing. He, uh, he can climb up the cupboards, he will open the cupboards and he uh, take out the buns, he take out the bread, biscuit, even if he's full, his tummy is almost full, then even then he's in the search of the gluten, no, only gluten containing. Exactly. So that is clearly an addiction. So I don't know, well, you know, lock and key, if you're not able to eliminate gluten from your kitchen, then lock and key. right? It, it will slow down the healing process. It will slow down the uh, uh, anywhere in the body that there is inflammation, brain, gut, whatever, right? It is. So gluten is something that you need to stay away from for a while. So I think that answers the question. If you cannot, then, then like you said, uh, you know, do the enzymes, uh, and stay on the protocol. Yes, I'm, I mean, protocol is already anti-inflammatory, but just understand that it's going to take longer. Um, you know, I, I usually discourage families from having so-called, you know, cheat days. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm giving him something once a week, but then he knows that he can get it once a week. So uh, that, you know, for for a little child's brain, that is not that will not make logical sense so if you just say no like you know uh, for example um i had not introduced chocolate to brian like ever the first time he had you know sugar or chocolate was when he was i don't know six seven years old um and that was it because i i wasn't it I just didn't want to, right? And any kind of McDonald's, any kind of, uh, you know, it was at a much, much older age um, when when we had to, because there was nothing else available. 
In fact, it was weird, you know, his, his uh, pre-K, right? You know, his nursery school teacher, she was young, you know, this young chicky, she comes up to me and says, oh my God, after the show, I'm like, what? She goes like, Brian did not know what a happy meal is. I'm like, yeah, and so... So she goes like, he, you've never taken him to McDonald's? I'm like, no, and I don't plan on it. Do you have a problem with that? So she just gave me this weird look. I'm like, you know, it's really, you know, sit down. Let me explain to you uh, how many ingredients, you know, because just the French fries. I can't tell you how many parents think that uh, French fries at McDonald's, uh, and I'm saying McDonald's, but you know, it's obviously all fast food chains. Um, they actually have 14 different chemicals, if I'm not mistaken. It's not just potatoes and, and oil and salt. So if you want to feed that to your child and your family, of course, you know, it's, it's your decision. But uh, if you have a special needs child or any other special needs family member, I would highly recommend home cooked meals. Okay, who's next? That concludes part two Autism Moms Roundtable on the BioNexus Health Podcast. Join us next week for part three. Thank you for joining Master Herbalist Dr. Jody A. Dashaw, Director of the BioNexus Health Clinic and BioNexus Herbals, on the BioNexus Health Podcast. You can subscribe for free on most podcast apps. By subscribing, you encourage the algorithms to spread our messages of hope and healing. You may also leave a review on your preferred podcast app or share on your social networks to promote the podcast where we explore and share information and stories about recovering and healing from chronic and environmental illnesses such as mold biotoxin illness, Lyme disease, autism spectrum disorder, fatigue, Crohn's and colitis, mast cell activation syndrome, PANS, and more. For more information, visit bionexushealth.com. Information within this video, audio, or text collectively known as the podcast, has not been reviewed by the FDA. Nothing within the podcast is intended as or should be construed as medical advice. Information is for general informational and educational purposes only. Consumers of the podcast should consult with their healthcare practitioners for medical recommendations. Seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider. Do not disregard the advice of a healthcare provider based on any information from the podcast. The information within the podcast may contain information concerning dietary supplements or over-the-counter products that are not drugged. Our dietary supplement products are not intended for use as a means to cure, treat, prevent, diagnose, or mitigate any disease or other medical or abnormal condition.